And I have never been this excited to talk to a lawyer before. We have Michael Roche on the line, who is one of the attorneys representing Kevin Brashear in a class action lawsuit against Panini America over redemption cards. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. How are we doing today? Thanks, Ryan. I'm doing great. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, let me first just state for the record that I don't believe in my 20 years of practice I've ever been excited to talk to a lawyer before. Um, with that said, I do appreciate your well-written article on Sports Card Radio and the fact that this is, quote, a beautiful thing. Collectors all over the country, all over the world, have been anticipating a lawsuit like this one, and now it's on. Uh, it, it appears that Showtime is, is about to start in a courtroom somewhere in Texas, and I know for listeners of Sports Card Radio over the years, we, one of our frequent punching bags is Panini America, so we're certainly biased on this show and certainly hope for a uh, positive outcome for you. But for people, collectors out there who don't know anything about this and probably have some redemption cards themselves, can you tell us a little bit about this case, how it all got started? You know, somebody who knows nothing about this, uh, give them a little uh, brief primer on this. Sure, Ryan. Uh, I can tell you how I got started and give you a... For, for listeners out there who don't understand what redemption cards are, basically, if you open a box of cards from Panini and they guarantee two autographs, you may pull one autograph card and the other card is a piece of cardboard that says you will receive the autograph of such and such a player. In order to receive that card, you must enter this code on Panini's website. And then when you go to the website, you enter the code and it tells you to select four or eight months for delivery. Basically, it is stated on their site, they guarantee that they will ship you a card, the card that you got within four or eight months. And if they don't have the card in time, they'll ship you a quote, comparable card in its place. So how I got started with this is I'm not just a lawyer. I am a huge sports fan. I'm a huge collector of cards. I've probably been collecting sports cards for about 30 years now. And, you know, I, I, I took a little time off when the, when the market hit a boom and I mean, hit, I'm sorry, hit, hit, really got hit hard where in probably the eighties right. and nineties, there was overproduction of cards. The cards weren't very valuable. They didn't look good. Then all of a sudden the two thousands start rolling. You got great looking autographs. You got great pieces of memorabilia. You got cards you never seen before in your life. And the card industry takes a huge boom. And so I get back into it. And I look at it from several perspectives. I love cards. I love players. I love sports. But I also said, you know what? I'm going to sell cards because it's a, it's, it's a hobby, but I enjoy it. So I started selling cards on eBay a few years ago. So I have approximately 50 outstanding redemptions with Panini, some wow. going back over two years old. I had a Andrew Luck card that I hit. It was numbered to five and autographed. I sent it off to Panini to be redeemed. I'm very excited about it. This was about mid last season when Andrew Luck came back player of the year, right? A comeback player of the year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, two years ago, maybe that car is not worth anything, but now everybody loves Andrew Luck again, right? They get to the playoffs. So I'm excited about the card. Well, I get the package. I'm like, first of all, my card got redeemed. Wow, that's great. 
Secondly, it got redeemed pretty quickly, I'd say. I don't think it was in four months, but it, it, it was pretty quick. I open up the package, and it's an empty case. Wow. I don't know what to do. You've heard the nightmares. We all know about how you cannot get in touch with Panini. They don't answer phone calls. They do not answer or respond to voicemails, which if you're lucky enough, you may get a voicemail. Um, they don't respond to emails. It is, frankly, near impossible to get in touch with anyone at Panini Customer Service. So I look online, do a little research, read some blogs, and I run across a list of three individuals' email addresses that work for Panini. So I email all three, talking about my Andrew Luck card. Where is it? What happened? How could this possibly happen? Am I ever going to see my card to give it to somebody else? So I do threaten a lawsuit in that email. I get an email back within an hour from one of the representatives saying, lawsuits will get you nowhere. This is what we'll do for you. I found your Andrew Luck card. I'm like, wow, you found it in an hour? <laughs> Where are all the other cards I got redeemed with you that you can't find within a year, two right. years? Anyway, he ships me my card and then offers me everything I have and all my outstanding redemptions, which is basically nothing. Points, maybe player substitution cards, but nothing considering the value I have in some of these cards that have been outstanding for years. Anyway, I decide I want to put an end to this, and I don't want to see people continually being ripped off by Panini for whatever reason. And one of my main theories is they do not have the customer service and the staffing available to handle the extreme boom in the industry that happened, and they have for whatever reason, not hired enough staff to deal with these calls, to deal with these redemptions. Um, so I get in touch with a buddy of mine. His name's Larry Centola, and he works with Scott Bickford, who is the name on the lawsuit. Scott Bickford is licensed in Texas. They're both New Orleans lawyers, which I am. And Scott has a license in Texas. So Larry is a friend of mine. We meet up tell them the story. I tell them about um, cards because they don't know anything about cards. And I basically try to convince them that this is a legitimate claim that, this, that you know, that, that, that there are many people all over the world affected by this. So Larry and I take a trip to Texas, which is where we meet Kevin Brashear. To back up a little bit, I start doing some research on forums, on uh, post on different websites about Panini and the complaints and there are tremendous amounts of complaints as you well know right. um, and I find Kevin Bashir posted on uh, of all sites Yelp okay huh. which was very interesting that the way I find my class rep is through Yelp he posted a few and, and he posted on Yelp because he's located in Fort Worth where, or, or Dallas area where Panini's located. I assume that's why he posted on Yelp. So I, get, I, I, I post a message back to him and say, get in touch with me if you're interested to talk. I don't say I'm a lawyer. I don't say what I'm doing. I just tell him to get in touch with me. He emails me. We exchange emails. And this is my guy. This is the guy that wants to stand up in front of a judge, in front of a jury to represent the class. We meet him in Dallas, and he is angry. Wow. He has an Odell Beckham rookie autograph card from about 
I guess you would say, pulled it about a little over two years ago. And he has gotten nothing for it. He has gotten no response from Panini. He has tried numerous times to email him, call him, etc. He filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. He's posted things on websites. And he got nothing. And so this man is angry enough that he's never buying a Panini product again. Hmm. Pretty strong, bold statement. For sure. Um, for a collector of years. So... Kevin talks to Larry and I at lunch, and, and, and we realize that Kevin is definitely a person that will certainly qualify under some of the claims we've made and certainly be a great representative for a class of people that we estimate to be in the hundreds of thousands that have had redemptions that have either been redeemed late or never redeemed or redeemed with a, quote, comparable card that when they get it, they realize is way, way less than the actual card they had pulled. So that's a little background. I hope that gives you and listeners out there who don't understand the redemption process and understanding of how this works. Um, you know, I can elaborate a lot more with, with when we go forward in the interview, but just to let you know where I'm coming from and how this all got started, that's, that's basically my story. Again, I'm a collector. I'm a sports fanatic. I'm a lawyer as well. But the real reason I brought this is because of the passion I have for sports and collecting cards. And this is a class action suit, or you're attempting to create a class action suit there in Texas. And with a class action, you need a lot of, uh, you know, uh, impacted people. And just hearing you talk, I have heard the same story from countless people over the years, you know, Sports Card Radio has been around for 10 years. We get people all the time talking about redemption cards they've never received or redemption cards that are six years old. Somebody just tweeted me a picture today of, of cards in their account from 2013. I mean, years and years and years ago, these people are waiting for cards. And these are cards that are already done, purchased out of boxes. Is there a way you're going to need, it sounds like, the help from other collectors and, and to kind of share their stories. Is there a way for collectors to get to formally get involved now in this lawsuit or, or in the future? Is there a way for them to become a part of this class? How will all of that work? Well, okay, to, to, to be clear, um, the, and, and I've seen some, some forum posts about how, there's, well, how are they going to keep this in federal court? This is not a federal court case. This is a state court case. That's actually wrong. We filed under Texas state law, which will be applied by the federal court. However, there's an uh, act for class actions called CAFA, which is the Class Action Fairness Act, I believe is what it stands for. And all you need as as far as to just just as far as the number is concerned it's 100 members okay let me ask you a question ryan do you think there are 100 people out there that have the same issues we're having i could probably get 100 people to email me tweet me or facebook me today or this week with the same issues and i agree and we've had numerous calls already um and I estimated, based on the numerical order that the redemptions are entered in, that there are close to 3 million redemptions that have been submitted to Panini. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to guess, and this is through speaking to multiple dealers, collectors, sellers, etc., um, 
my guess is there's over a hundred thousand class members. Would you think that seems fair? I, w- I think on the whole, maybe across all the sports card companies, I think, I think certainly, and, and, uh, you know, that's even probably d- data that Panini has, but yes, we're talking about virtually every collector that I've ever met that buys new product encounters this problem where it's either a wait time, it's either they never get the card that they ask for. And this has been ongoing again, since we've been doing this podcast for over, 10 years or so has panini responded Um, to this lawsuit at all yeah let me let me backtrack a little bit you know panini's been doing redemptions i think so now would be about 11 years so this is an issue that's ongoing for 11 years um as far as i know i don't think maybe when it started they were doing okay but from the past eight years at least i can say that their record isn't too shiny on getting redemptions uh, timely. You know, what's very important is that on Panini's website, they advertise, we will get you your card within the four or eight month time period selected. They also advertise that redemptions are rare, that they make every effort to get the card signed before putting it in the product. I am shocked that they made that statement on their website because I open a lot of boxes and I can tell you when I open a box where I think the autograph is, I sort through it and I don't look at the card or the player or the autograph, but I pray that it's not a piece of white cardboard. Right. Right. Um, as far as getting help from collectors, you know, I want to reiterate that I am flattered, enthusiastic, passionate about this and so excited about the tremendous support that we have received in all the forums on facebook in news outlets so on and so on your article which was very well written um the support has been overwhelming and it happened within less than two weeks of us filing the lawsuit so that is help in and of itself, in and of itself collectors coming out and making an issue out of this and telling us their stories, whether it's through the post or whatever, giving us phone calls and telling us their stories. I've started, we have received multiple phone calls, numerous phone calls since the first article came out in Sports Digest about the lawsuit. Um, I wanna hear from everyone. I will take my time, I will answer calls personally. Um, I don't mind talking to people about their card issues. I like talking about cards. Um, but eventually, I mean, we'll, in the way they could help is, you know, we, we would like to speak with everyone and get their contact information for anyone that's been impacted by these, these actions on behalf of Panini. Um, we want to show that this is not an isolated case. I think we've shown that. I think it's, it's obvious. But we want to be able to create logs of all these people who have been affected and their stories. And I'm hearing stories that people that have 500 redemptions, mm-hmm. their dealers, 500 outstanding redemptions over four months old. This is a widespread issue that harms many, many people. And we want to hear their stories. Why only sue, or at least at this point, only sue Panini? I mean, Tops is probably equally as bad in some instances as panini what why the why the choice only to sue panini who said we're only suing panini 
Is there do you have an open lawsuit against Tops or somebody else? <laughs> uh, it was half a joke. Um, <laughs> I I guess part of answering that question is confidential. Uh, but the other part is absolutely we're investigating all the card manufacturers for the issues that um, we have in the Panini suit. The reason we sued Panini first is because they are the biggest manufacturer of cards. I think you know that that I hear people saying that Topps has the same issues. Topps may have the same issues, but I I don't have enough information at this point. We're still investigating to suggest that the issues are bigger than Panini. Um, I know for a fact that the issues with Panini are tremendous and the number of people affected are extraordinary. Um, so to answer your question, yes, we are investigating the other companies. In fact, I think we noted in the lawsuit that um, Upper Deck had been sued for expired redemptions. It was in small claims court. I, I even think it was defaulted. The Upper Deck was, in my mind, didn't have much of a defense to it. And the, the uh, individual who sued won cost and attorney's fees and um, basically got more than the value of the card he had at the end of the day. So yeah, I, I, if that alone didn't tell you that I'm looking at other companies, I'll say it right now. We're looking at every company. I think collectors everywhere are, you know, standing up and applauding. Uh, at least some of them are at this action. What's the ideal outcome for you here? There's going to be some critics who are going to be like, "Oh, this is a money grab for lawyers, class action lawsuits, and stuff like that." But you're obviously a collector too. You've been impacted personally by the Panini redemption process yourself. What's the ideal outcome for this case? You know, and I'm glad you bring that up because I don't want to say people don't necessarily understand and there is a negative, um, let's just put it this way. There are a bunch of forums where people will point out, oh, this is for the lawyers. We're not going to get anything. We're going to get 50 cents and maybe a, a points card that is not what this is about um i think it's very important to know that i am a huge collector and sports fan above being a lawyer um i am doing this for the right reason um and of course lawyers make money on class actions i'm not gonna deflect that uh part of your question but this is not about money this is about what's right, and it's about forcing Panini to live up to its promises. Panini is making money. Panini is making a killing. Their profit margin has got to be tremendous by enticing people to buy a product with a pack that may contain a card that is absolutely worthless unless you collect cardboard. You can use the cardboard if you want to pack cards in to ship them, but honestly, when someone pulls what they think is a valuable card and it's a redemption and Panini doesn't ever give them the card or they have to wait months and months and that card, when they get it, it may be worth way less than when they pulled it. Come on, that's not fair. We're just trying to make sure that Panini does the right thing. And I want to point out something very important. Um, the class, the, I'm sorry, the, the Deceptive Trade Practices Act in Texas mm -hmm. allows for public remedies. It allows for the Consumer Protection Division of the Texas Attorney General's Office to step in and issue an injunction, restraining order, whatever it is, 
to say, Panini, you can't do this anymore. If you can't fulfill these redemptions, you can't put them in the boxes anymore. If you can't get the autographs on time, tough. Um, what my goal is, is to fix this problem and to fix it so that collectors are happy, so dealers are happy, so dealers are making more money, collectors are making more money, so that everyone's making what they deserve to make from a product that's being sold for now extraordinary amounts of money. You buy an $800 box, you can pull a redemption. You buy a $1,500 box, you can pull a redemption. You know, I'm holding on to a very valuable redemption right now. And it, it was, uh, it, I pulled a, from uh, encased a Donovan Mitchell rookie card graded. Ooh. It was in, it was the encased card, and I think it was red number to twenty five. Wow. Right. So I go on eBay and I search what the redemption selling for, and I think the average was about six hundred bucks or so. And I say, you know what? I'm going to send it off to Panini and get it graded and get it back. Let's hope Donovan Mitchell keeps doing well, because when I get that card back, if it's graded a ten or 9.5 that card's going to be worth a lot of money um so i hate redemptions now I, you know if, if this process worked if panini lived up to what it said it would do if they gave me a valuable card i, I i'm not necessarily i'm you know i'm a huge saints fan being here in new orleans unfortunately the nfl doesn't want the saints to win the super bowl oh, you can yeah. take that out of this interview but it's just a fact oh. <laughs> um i think we all know what that was brutal in the championship game uh but anyway what i'm trying to say is if i pull a saints a drew Brees auto that doesn't mean anything more to me than pulling another uh, an andrew lock auto i'm not a necessarily a collector of a team or a player or anything like that i'm just a collector in general i like sports i like cards so this hurts me as much as it hurts every other collector i can promise you that i'm very passionate about this i think i've said that multiple times it is true um and what i would like to see is this end and i love that the texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act allows for injunctions. That is not common in, in, in uh, Deceptive Trade Practices Act in other states. This one allows for injunctions where ultimately I could say, okay, Panini, we, we got to fix this problem, and I'm going to write an order that I'm going to get approved by the Consumer Protection Division in order for you to have to follow this to a T and do what you said you were going to do. That's it. It's that simple. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for a big reward. I'm just asking you to do what you said you were going to do. That's it. Right. The I did a lot of reading on the Deceptive Trade Practices Acts there in Texas. It seems very broad in the way it can be applied. And certainly when you start reading some of the statutes in there in the act, it's like, Panini almost checks off every single one of them. I mean, it's astonishing some of the uh, some of the abuse that that Panini does. Do, are the damages the one thing I did read about the act? Are the damages that a class action or somebody c can collect is it limited under the DTPA? Uh, no, we we I think the the DTPA is the primary avenue for recovering damages because of a few things. With that said, we certainly made claims under general Texas tort laws 
that if for some bizarre reason the court finds that the DTPA does not apply to this case, well, then we have tort claims. We have false advertising. We have conspiracy. We have fraud. We have all those just general tort principles that we filed this lawsuit under. I hope that answers that question. Yeah. Do you think that all redemption cards maybe violate some kind of law, like the redemption card itself violates law, or is it the bad process that Panini, the delay, the four to eight month wait, or longer than that, the switching out of cards, the sending you an empty case, like what, what is actually in your mind, not legal? Is it the redemption card itself or is it the process? Okay. Are you asking me that if I buy a $400 box of cards that guarantees one auto and I get a piece of cardboard instead illegal? I guess, could that be illegal? <laughs> um, with, in all seriousness, the redemption card itself is not illegal. The process by which it's used is illegal. Okay. Um, I don't believe that our lawsuit would result in eliminating redemption cards altogether. I would love it. I would love, but 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 you realize there are other there are a lot of other things at play. I mean, Panini reduces a new product every month. It seems like. I mean, they're coming out with new products every year. I don't even know how many products they actually have, and all of those products, to my knowledge, maybe with the exception of Flawless have redemption cards in them mm -hmm. and I can't imagine that they would be able to get every month when they were, were releasing a new product when they manufacture it, it comes off the off the table and they're in and I'm talking about mainly on card autos as opposed to the stickers mm -hmm. the stickers seem to me to be easier to get obviously you're handing a piece of paper to an athlete and telling them to sign his name 200 times you're not producing a card and then giving it to them a week, two weeks, whatever it is before you got to put it in the box. So I don't know that redemption cards will ever be um, eliminated. Mm -hmm. I think that the process by which they're being used is 100% illegal. And that brings me to a very, very important point, something that I am going to fight extremely hard for something that I have a huge problem with is expired redemptions. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't believe that putting a two point font statement on the back of a box of a cards on the back of a box of cards saying, Hey, you might pull a card in here. That's completely worthless. Can be meaningful or can be enforced. Let's say, mm. um, does that make sense to you? You know, Ryan, come on, Let, let's be serious. They're selling the product still. They're giving it to dealers. Licensed Panini dealers are selling products with expired redemptions in them. Does that make any sense to you? Do, do, you, do you see a problem with that? I, I think that people should know. That, that, that there should be one issue with collectors is they never get a full checklist sometimes before the product comes out. Well, we should also get a list of all the redemption cards that are in the product when they expire. And so that we know when that date comes up, those boxes take a considerable hit in value because those redemption cards become, quote, unredeemable now. Um, yeah, 
and I guess I guess my point on that though is I don't think it's right at all. Right. You can tell me the exact card. You can you can sell me a box of 2014 um, Panini Limited and say, guess what? All of Odell Beckham Jr. rookie autos are redemptions and they're expired. Well, suppose I wanted to pull a freaking Odell Beckham rookie auto. Okay? Suppose that's what I wanted. Suppose I, I know that that was valuable in 2016, but the card expired. And then I find out that the card didn't just vanish. The Odell Beckham signed 2014 card hmm. is not gone. It's just, oh, well, you got it too late, so we're mm -hmm. keeping it. And guess what we may, do? we may do with it? We may put it on our exchange and allow you to buy it for points, <laughs> which is a whole <laughs> nother issue we'll get into. Rewards points are worthless. They are worthless. But back on that issue of expired redemptions, I want to point out that the United States government in 2010 came out with an, an order and a statute that said gift cards cannot expire in one year. Okay. If I buy a $100 Macy's card on December 25th and the following December 26th, I try to use it and it's nothing. I gave Macy's $100. Right. They got richer. I got poorer. That's not fair. So the federal government came in in 2010 and said, guess what? You cannot put an expiration date on gift cards that is less than five years. Wow. That's a great step. Hmm. But I think they could have taken it a little further because there's no point in having those cards expired, except for the fact that big corporations want to take them off their books at the end of the year. They're a liability to big corporations. That hundred dollars or two hundred or you know ten thousand dollars they have in cards, they know when they expire and they want to take them off their books. It's all about corporations making money. That's the same exact thing these card companies are doing by putting expired cards in products that are still being sold, and it is not fair. It's definitely not fair. It's almost like an interest-free loan. We're giving these card companies money, and they're they're saying, hey, here, we're going to owe you something in. Who knows when they're going to give it four to eight months, but then they don't even meet that time frame. I mean, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous to me. You mentioned Panini points. Can you can you talk about that? Because I know a few years ago, Panini, they quote, tried to innovate the redemption process. And these points are inside boxes and packs and, and you can go on their website and and redeem these points. And I know you have to even pay for shipping to get to get these cards <laughs> shipped to you. Can you can you talk a little bit about these Panini points? Are these things legal? Well, you want me to start with the $4.75 I charged me to ship a right. card that cost $2.66? Right. Do you want me to start there? Because I'm, I'm serious. It, it cost them two sixty six to ship it. They probably get a better deal with the post office than I get. It cost me two sixty six to ship one card. They charge $4.75 to ship a card by USPS, a card that you obtained that you already paid for. Before I talk about rewards, let me add one last thing on the expired redemptions, please. Um, we do allege in the lawsuit that the waiver, as far as you may, you may acquire a redemption that expired, is very unclear. The Texas Trade Practices Act, the, the Deceptive Trade Practices Act, deals with that specific point. Um, if the waiver is not known to the consumer at the time of purchase, it is not valid. And I can tell you, you go in any card shop and you have boxes facing forward, 
You have packs and boxes that have the waiver on the back of the pack. And you don't see it until after you purchase it. You might know after the first time, you might know after a few times, but at the time of purchase, you don't actually know because you can't even see the waiver. With that said, also, you have kids. You are marketing these products to kids who don't understand those waivers. I'm sorry. My 12-year-old goes into a card shop and buys a pack of cards. That's 2013. He has no clue that he may pull a redemption that's worthless. Right. So, again, you have to have knowledge and the ability to understand the waiver for it to be valid, and I think we win there. If we don't, then we come up with the argument that just in general, the waivers are against public policy and against the law. As far as rewards points, um, I cry when I get them. <laughs> uh, I you know, Ryan, I've had, I've built up about 1,200 points at a time. Um, I can tell you I buy cards for 800 points, sell them on eBay, I get $2 for them. Yeah. Have you looked at the exchange to see what you can get for 400 points, which is not even common, by the way. You'd probably have to pull two boxes to get a 150-point card and a 250-point card. But have you seen, have you looked into the value of the cards they're putting on the exchange in connection with how many points are required to purchase those cards. One thing I've heard is that it's impossible to get anything good because once they do, it's like there's people have it like on some kind of bot program or clicking their refresh every five seconds. Like the good things go like instantaneous yes. or they know when they're going to be put on there. Maybe they know the employee gives somebody a tip off. Hey, we're going to go put on these good products, get on there with your points and buy them. Who knows how all that works, but it's impossible to get anything good. And like you said, for 400 points, you're not getting anything good. And then, oh yeah, to, to back up, to back it up, you got to pay 475 for shipping for for a, a thing you got in a pack of cards that you already paid for so it's i don't redeem points anymore because i lose three dollars and 76 cents when i get a card it's, it's Does that make sense it's unbelievable i paid 475 for the card for shipping i get 99 cents when i sell it on ebay <laughs> okay I, I i i've done the points a lot and I don't really know what to say about the points other than there's a clause in the um, Unfair Trade Practices Act. There's also a tort uh, claim for unjust enrichment, and we did make those claims, and we will bring up the points in connection with those claims in the sense that who is getting richer by putting points cards in the product? Right, Panini. That's it's pretty damn obvious. Right. Um, you know, and I don't know what their plan was in 2014 in connection with converting the points plan. They never came up with a concrete idea that would make sense, but I'm sure what their plan was to do was to make them even richer. Um, rewards points are worthless. Right. Um, I hate to say it that way and be so blunt about it, but they are. They're worthless. And they're substituting them for autographed cards or they're substituting them for memorabilia cards. Whatever it is, it's the hit in the product that you don't get and you get a rewards card instead. Usually 150 points, by the way. I would actually like to find out what the ratio of the 
different value of the points cards are. Obviously, 150 is the most common. But I'd like to see what are the odds of pulling 150, 250, 400. Mm-hmm. I think it jumps to 600, 800, all the way up to like 1600. 1600, I've never seen. I'm sure they've been pulled. But I would like to see a ratio of the odds of pulling each value card. And I guarantee you 150 is pretty high. What, what's the le- next legal step in this case? Oh, and by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't think you could actually purchase a card on the exchange for 150 points that it's even sellable. Yeah, so you've got to like stack up points to even get anything worth any. You got to keep spending more money to get something of value before you pay them their shipping costs. Yeah, right. You got to you got to stack up. It's unbelievable. Multiple different boxes. It's unbelievable. I mean, the points. You know, I'm glad a... you brought up the shipping costs because. Everybody is talking about that now. Interesting. And then what's the next kind of legal date or legal process or Panini's deadline to respond? Like, like how does that all work out? Um, I mean, it, it, we are in the very initial stages. We just filed a lawsuit on uh, January 26th, I believe. So today, I think it's actually two weeks. Two, we filed a lawsuit two weeks ago. Um, so there are... I mean, we are in the very initial stages. They have, um, you know, a relatively short amount of time from here to answer the lawsuit. That doesn't really generally proceed. You know, it doesn't. It, it, does, it doesn't. It doesn't escalate the prosecution of the case. Right. Just getting an answer. So yes, they're going to respond to the suit. Um, they are probably going to say things like it's not their fault or they didn't violate the act in any way. One thing they may raise, and I expect it to be raised, is that none of the people buying the products are consumers. They're buying them from third-party markets, and I can't wait to hear that. Um, because, And I say that they raised it in a 2014 lawsuit. A gentleman filed a suit against Panini for a fake autograph card he re- he received or paid for and panini won by saying that he wasn't a consumer under deceptive trade practices act obviously they're going to try to bring that up and that is that issue with that case is nothing compared to what we have they don't know where he got the autograph card they don't even know if he faked the autograph they don't know anything about the card you cannot say that the piece of cardboard I got with a code that I can enter on your site is not manufactured by Panini and sold to consumers. Okay. So, but, you know, with that said, I anticipate that to be one of the arguments. Um, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, frankly, we've gotten nowhere with their lawyers. Um, the... Deceptive Trade Practices Act required us to send a letter to Panini before we could even file the suit, and we had to give them 60 days to respond, okay, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, but it's part of the act. Uh, you know, it didn't take long for us to hear from a ton of people already. I've read the forums. I've read the forum responses. I understand that this is a big issue. I knew it was a big issue before we filed the lawsuit, so I'm not concerned about their posturing that this is just a few people and, oh, let's fix it. Tell us what's wrong, I think they said in their last letter. Tell us what's wrong with the few people you talk to and we'll fix their problems. All right, no, that's okay. We're going to file this lawsuit. We're going to get this thing fixed for everybody in the world. 
That's astonishing that they're claiming that it only impacts a few people. I mean, you cited in the complaint, the Better Business Bureau. I don't know if I've ever seen the Better (laughs) Business Bureau put like an alert on the Panini America page, basically (laughs) saying they've gotten so many complaints and Panini hasn't even responded to the BBB. Have you ever seen anything like that on on a BBB website? never in my my practice. Um, You know, you talk... Panini's not a small company anymore, you know? They're, they're a tremendous company that generates a ton of revenue every year. And if they wanted to have a good name and not an F, I don't know how often Federal Business Bureau gives a company an F. You gotta work you hard at that. F, can you at least call us back and tell us what the problem is? Tell us something you're doing. Or, or just tell us it's only impacted a few people. We don't know what these guys are talking about. Say something. They did. They did not respond at all. The investigation was opened in the end of, I think, November 2017. And to this date, as far as I know, they have not responded. They may respond now. (laughs) They may do a lot of things now. Um, You know, people often do things after a lawsuit's filed to try to say they're good. Hmm. But it doesn't doesn't resolve the issues that we're dealing with. Um, You know, and Panini's going to come out and say things like, it's not a problem or if there is a problem it's the fault of the players the players aren't signing autographs tell you another thing i called another company um trying to think you 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 can ask me questions to get me to tell you the name but i'm going to tell you right now i had a redemption for rashad penny okay i called the company that generally sends cards out pretty quickly and it's been pending for about six eight months now for me and I said, what's up with my Rashad Penny autograph? And the representative literally told me, Rashad Penny is one of our holdouts. He will not sign cards. Wow. So you got that directly from a rep? 100%. And it absolutely is supported by the fact that I've gotten redemptions from this company on numerous occasions from the same exact product from all the other players, except for this one that's just been pending forever. And I said, well, are you going to offer me a substitute? And I said, I'll tell you, I'll take Baker Mayfield to Saquon Barkley. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in reality, the disclosure of that information is extremely important because you may have players not being paid, but you might also have players that just don't want to sign cards. Right. And I think that happens. I, I think there's probably a way for card companies I've heard of others I've heard of Darius Geis um I've heard of other players and I can tell you what I'm doing with those redemptions and selling them so everybody listening to this won't be buying my eBay redemptions for Darius Geis and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) do you think there should be a a kind of a general cutoff date like after eight months should they just send you something I know Topps is even doing that this now where I've I've seen people on Twitter recently Topps will just Uh close out the kind of the account for you and send you something Oh, are we talking about Panini? Panini or anybody, I guess. Well, let, let, let's focus on Panini. Okay. If Panini tells me they're going to send me a comparable card in four months, they need to send me a comparable card in four months. Of course, they say it'll take six to eight weeks shipping, but the card should update on my redemption webpage to say process right. in four months, three months and 30 days or whatever it is. So they're guaranteeing it. If they're guaranteeing it, yes, I absolutely believe that they should send me a comparable card within four months if they can't get the autograph. I've never gotten a comparable card. 
Yeah. I don't know how other people are. I'm kind of upset. All miners is pending. I got Cody Kessler's out the butt just, you know, from his rookie year. Not that I care too much about Cody Kessler. I hope he doesn't listen to this. I'm, I'll respect you, Cody Kessler. Um, <laughs> But honestly, I, I, he's not. There's no way he's signing the cards because I have like six of them pending, all Cody Kessler's, right. and I've got nothing. One of them's two and a half years old. It was pulled in mid 2016, or uh, yeah, mid 2016 when he was a rookie. I think it was Optic. They just don't want to send anything because, yeah, they maybe know Cody Kessler's done signing with them, but then they'd have to obligate you in some way and send you something, whereas it's almost like the gift certificate that never gets redeemed. It's kind of the, the, the gift certificate law. Well, shoot, Macy's gets the 100 if once it expires or if you never use it. So they're never going to, you know, send you an email and say, hey, you've never used your $100 gift card or whatever. And I almost feel like this is the same way with Panini. They hope these things kind of expire and people forget about them because that's almost free money for Panini. I mean, is that the way you kind of see it? Um, no, I would never say that. Come on. Panini's not in this to make money. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, uh, look, you know, I get a lot of the posts about lawyers wanting to make money and that's what this is all about. And that's just not true. What it's about is, let me, let me pose a hypothetical to you. Okay. If you had a group of consumers that were buying a product from you and you were making hand over foot with them by not giving them the product, but then they kept buying the product from you and you kept making hand over foot for years and years, you're getting away with it. And they kept buying the product. Would you stop? Not at all. Not at all. I might even I might even push it further. You know, do the points or keep you know keep putting more redemption. And, and, and do you think the group of corporate officers? And let me ask you a question. Do you think the corporate officers, when they have their regular meetings, sitting around the table saying, "Shit, we got to stop this. We're making too much money off these people and not giving them what they deserve." <laughs> Hell no. They're looking at the numbers. They're looking at the money that's coming in. They're looking at the fact that all of a sudden Panini went from maybe not such a big company in 1999 to an extremely wealthy money-making machine today. Right. They do and over, yeah, they do over a billion euros they, in sales. I know that for a fact. They do over a billion euros in sales. I mean, that's this massive amount of money. You know, I'm not talking about possibly the value of one class member's uh, damages or what lawyers may make out of this. And by the way, this is a lot of work for lawyers. I'm not justifying anything that people want to say about us making money, but this is my business. And just like any business, people make money. Um, but what I'm trying to say is I want people to see this as a long-term solution that puts money in your pockets, not just from the lawsuit, but from the changes that are being made so that you're not being ripped off in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that the process itself right now is broken. And if this lawsuit can, uh, in some ways, make I'm the process sick of better. being ripped off. I want my 2013 optic red number to 99 on card Le'Veon Bell rookie card auto. And I wanted it two years ago when Pittsburgh was in the playoffs and it's been pending for four years. Right. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be ripped off anymore. I want my Donovan Mitchell that I'll never see. I'll I'll send you an email when I get that card. How about that? I I'll, I think I'll be waiting a long time. Is my guest. My twelve year old son asked me every day, "Do we get Donovan Mitchell yet?" 
<laughs> no, son. No, we didn't. He understands this. He's 12. He knows what's going on. He opens cards with me. He doesn't like seeing that piece of cardboard. Yeah, when Sometimes a 12... he doesn't even look at the name. When a 12-year-old knows that something is amiss, you, you know that this just can't be legal and something's going on here. Something I really want to ask you that I get questions from dealers who are, you know, some of them are authorized by Panini, uh, either group breakers or authorized stores. What if they're sure. selling this product that has expired redemption cards in it? Do they have any legal exposure? Should they be warning customers? Should they have signs up? I no. mean, what, what should these dealers be doing? No, look, the dealers are being hurt too. I mean, dealers are, we're, we're not going against dealers. I, one of my good friends here locally in New Orleans is a dealer five blocks from me. I talked to him about this. He, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be a part of it. I don't know that dealers necessarily want to be a part of it because of their contracts with Panini, but they are not liable for Panini's manufacturing cards and distributing to their stores to sell the products. Um, we don't want the, the dealers are victims. The dealers are victims, just like the, the consumers. Um, think about it. If this continues and escalates the way that it has just in the past few years, dealers will be harmed too. Mm -hmm. People will stop buying products. It's just going to happen. It's just not my class rep that says I'm not buying Panini anymore. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Panini doesn't see it, so be it. But if things continue to go the way they are, dealers are going to be harmed. I got dealers calling me, supporting me. I got a guy that sells five hundred thousand dollars a year in you know cards. Called me the other day. Dealers are aligned with us. Dealers are happy about this. As far as as far as the ones I've spoken to, I have not seen a dealer come out and say, "Oh my God, what am I going to do? This is not good." Right. Okay. Um, we are, we are trying to protect the dealers in this as well as the consumers. What advice would you give to like another card company, or I guess in some respects, Panini themselves, they want to keep using redemption cards. What would you tell them to kind of, I guess, legally protect themselves or, or not get, get uh, a lawsuit from you on their door? Did I tell you how to answer the phone today for this interview? <laughs> and, and, and did I? <laughs> Yes, you did. Okay. Panini, if you're listening, just do what you promised the people to do. That's all we're asking. One one question, I, I've often thought about this myself. Can you think of another consumer product where you get these type of redemptions, these kind of unknown mystery redemptions? Can we think of any type of consumer product where you get this type of thing? You know, that, that is a good question. Um, I've given some thought to it. And honestly, I mean, it, it, it's an IOU. It's a, let's just say, I can't think of any other consumer um, product that would have a redemption, something like this, that wouldn't be redeemed. You know, I've, I, I'm thinking of things like you, you win something in whatever product it is, you open up freaking i don't know box of makeup and they say oh you get a you want a 50 50 off uh next purchase mm -hmm. things like that you know what i'm saying i mean that, right. that's a simple example i could think of you're going to get that 50 percent off the next purchase so to say that that there's anything like this going on i cannot think of it um however 
And just from a perspective of corporations, corporations are always breaking promises. Okay. A lot of those promises cause harm to customers and consumers. Some don't. But that's what the legal system is for, and that's what we are trying to get accomplished. We need to get these companies to stop breaking their promises where they're making tons of money off of broken promises, and we want the court to hold them responsible. But to answer your question, I cannot think of anything similar where you would find something in a product and it would be worthless basically because it would never be redeemed or you'd have to wait a couple of years. And then by the time you get it, it's worthless. Yeah. I really couldn't, I couldn't think of anything either. How tell collectors again, is there a phone number, an email, a website, something where they can go and share their own personal story with redemptions and with Panini? Is there, is there a way for them to, to kind of get in contact with you and, and, and kind of well, share the story? I am, I am very on hands. Uh, I am absolutely willing to talk to anyone who wants to share their story. Um, so you can easily reach me. Again, it's Michael Roche, and my personal phone number is 504-723-0748. And then my email address is mroche, so it's M-R-O-C-H-E, at Roche Company LLC. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Roche Company LLC.com. So it's Roche Company spelled out LLC.com. And the other thing we will be doing is posting a blog on the Facebook page of the law firm that filed the lawsuit. And people can share their stories there as well. That should be up. I'm hoping to get it up today. If not, it will be up Monday. So that'll be a personal blog on the website of Marcel and Dickford, which is the firm that filed the lawsuit. It will be on their Facebook page. I'm assuming you just Google Marcel, which is M-A-R-T-Z-E-L-L, Bickford, B-I-C-K-F-O-R-D. And then it may be N-Centola, C-E-N-T-O-L-A. And we are very, we, we would be thrilled to hear from more and more people. The website for Marcel and Bickford, which again is the firm that I'm working with and that filed the lawsuit is www.m as in Mary, B as in boy, firm, F-I-R-M.com. I assume they'll have a link to the post on their Facebook page, but you can also go to their Facebook page, hopefully by Monday. We're posting a little blog about the lawsuit and how it got started, and we welcome all comments, phone numbers of people who want to be contacted. But again, they will be forwarded to me. Um, so if you want to call me directly, again, it's 504-723-0748. That's awesome. And I'll also put this information on uh, Sports Card Radio as well in the interview uh, show notes. And if anybody wants to email me uh, as well to get this confirmation, uh, 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 contact in, info as well. Feel free to reach out to a sports card show at gmail.com and we'll, we'll put you in contact with these people because I know for a fact there are thousands and thousands of stories uh, just similar to, to, to Michael here with the Andrew Luck card and Kevin Bashir and his cards. Michael, anything else you want to tell these collectors out here uh, as, as you, you know, probably got hours and hours of work on this lawsuit here in the next coming probably years. Uh, anything else you want to tell them right now? Yeah, well, you know, if, if the lawsuit were to proceed all the way to trial, it would be years. But 
we're hoping for a resolution before that, obviously. Um, we're, we're hoping for a settlement on the class before that. We're hoping for an injunction to change the process in which these cards are being handled and to change the way in which Panini acts towards its customers. It is unfortunate that I suspect Panini does not have the staff when they all of a sudden took this huge boom in the card industry to answer phone calls or respond to emails. That is just not a way to conduct business. So we hope for that to change. I go, I just tell every one of you out there, I am just like you. I'm a collector at heart. I want to see a change. I brought this lawsuit because I was angry about the way things have been going on. And I understand that you are all angry too, because I see it in post all the time. And we're here to make a change for all of you and me, because I like to collect cards. Michael, I really appreciate it. And uh, as this litigation kind of keeps going, uh, you're more than welcome to call into the Sports Card Radio podcast at any moment. Thank you very much, Ryan. I truly appreciate your efforts in, in getting this article written and in having me on your show to uh, get the word out even more than it's already been spread. Well, we'll keep trying to do that, and uh, you keep doing your hard work, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you real soon. Okay, thanks a lot, Ryan. I appreciate you having me.